Are you a parent in business that wants to learn digital marketing the right way? So you've got an amazing business and you want to shout it from the rooftops. You want everyone to know about it and you want to generate consistent revenue. You love the idea of your business working for you whilst you are busy making memories with your family. The one thing stopping you is digital marketing. From SEO to blogging, from creating your own digital courses to creating podcasts that parents will love. My Bumped Baby has the solution. We have launched our Digital Marketing Academy and it is designed for parent-focused business owners to grow and scale their business with ease. Our academy can be accessed from anywhere on any device, which means as a busy parent in business, you can learn on the go with our bite-sized straight-to-the-point videos. Join us today by visiting the link below and have seven-day free trial on us to see if the area is right for you. Click the link under this podcast to start benefiting today and access our training right away. We look forward to seeing you in there and teaching you everything you need to know about digital marketing for parent-focused businesses. Hello and welcome to my Bump to Baby Expert podcast, where we bring experts from all over the UK to answer your questions on everything pregnancy to preschool. Today I am joined by the founder of Mini First Aid, Kate Ball, and we are going to be discussing home safe eating and weaning and prevention of choking. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to My Bump to Baby Expert podcast. Today, I am joined by the founder of Mini First Aid, Kate Ball, and we are going to be discussing the prevention of choking and good practices for home safe eating. So, hi, Kate, how are you? I'm good, thank you. It's been a busy lockdown. And um, talking to you is a nice welcome break from my children. (laughs) I know the feeling. You've got six, Kate, and I've actually only got one. And yeah, I need a break as well. (laughs) Yeah, it's much needed at the moment. So yeah, so I've been looking forward to this chat all day today. Oh, good. Me too. Me too. So um, I know, um, obviously, I'm sure our parents have heard of mini first aid um but today as i said we're going to be talking about choking i think it's something that a lot of parents me for one uh worry about massively um and you know what to do um you know if the worst should happen and a child is choking so i know that's something that you guys are really passionate about as well obviously being um mini first aid but um so can we start by asking you um why choking is such a big fear for parents why do you think it is what that is Kate well I think so from when we surveyed customers for mini first aid 
we asked them what was their biggest fear around first aid. And I think sometimes people might think, oh, it's having to do CPR or perhaps it's a head injury, for example. But the massively high percentage of our responding customers said that it was choking. Um, in fact, it was eight out of 10 said that choking was their worst fear. And I think when you're pregnant and you think back to that time of antenatal period where you're prepping for baby and it's about the nursery and it's about birth options and how you're going to uh, perhaps how you're going to choose how you're going to feed your baby etc dress baby name your baby etc and it's all those things and you get sort of all caught in that and then you get home and you sort of as everybody knows you go through that 12 week tunnel where you don't really get much sleep at all and you're just sort of trying to keep going and then as your baby really starts to thrive you suddenly go oh my goodness they're nearly six months old and now I've got to replace that milk or certainly add to that milk I've got to add some solid food and for a lot of parents, they suddenly go, oh, my goodness, because milk is liquid. So it's much harder, although it is possible to choke on a liquid, it's much harder to choke on a liquid. And therefore, actually, when you're giving your baby something that's solid, that's what makes parents really, really nervous. And they will see their babies, something if you've got little ones at home, you'll know that if babies pick up any toy because they, they experience sensory through their mouths, they put any toy in their mouths. If they put it a little bit too far back, it makes them gag. And so parents are sitting there with perhaps a four or five month old baby thinking, oh gosh, in a few weeks, I've got to start putting food in that mouth and be really frightened of it. And that's why one of the major course content parts for us on our mini first aid classes is teaching parents how to deal with choking. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's a big concern for parents. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, it was like, you know, just handing George like even a banana. I was like on the edge of my seat, like, oh, my God, it is scary. Um, but as as you know, what you guys do with mini first aid, going to that first aid course just gives you that bit of confidence to take it to that, you know, that next level. So what can parents do around the home then to reduce choking? So I think one of my top tips for thinking about preparing for your baby to be on the move, and even before your baby's on the move, because they'd always grab things with those small fingers and toes, um, is to get on your hands and knees. And um, parents hate me when I say this. Look under the sofa and perhaps get yourself down to baby's level and look around and see... I mean, this is all, you know, to, to explore all accident risks, really. But if we're thinking about choking, think about what's the baby's height that they could put into their mouths that potentially could be a choking risk. Now, if you were to draw a circle on a piece of paper that was about three centimetres in diameter, anything that could fit inside that circle, either be pushed and squashed in or fit in easily, is a choking risk for the under threes. So that's everything from a one pence piece to a two pound coin, um, batteries, balloons, um, it could be um, bits of wrapper. Lego, um, Lego's one that comes up quite a lot. Yes, it is. And, um, and so actually, if you look at, when you look at toy labelling, and I know sometimes parents will go, oh, it says not suitable for under threes. And the reason that um, the toy safety rating, which is called EN71, the reason that they say that certain toys aren't suitable for the under threes is because there is a part on that toy that could fit inside that three centimetre circle. And so pay attention to it. If it says not suitable for under threes, the reason it's not suitable is because of that. And so things perhaps, and also just make sure with baby toys that you do, don't buy cheap, 
and buy things that are potentially hazardous. So if you're looking at a toy, perhaps you're a little bit concerned about the labeling, give it a good tug to make sure that bits aren't going to come off. Um, if you're concerned about the quality of a toy or a chew thing, take it back to the retailer or contact the manufacturer and say, I'm concerned about this. Can you tell me more about the safety rating? If a manufacturer for a baby product or a baby toy has all the right safety ratings in place, they won't mind being asked those questions. And if there's any doubt about a product being faulty, then they'll, they'll change it for you gladly. They're required to by law, but they'll do it because they want to, because they feel passionate about toy safety. But it's not just toys, it's all around the home, checking things that little ones can get their hands on um, and put into their mouths. Car key fobs are another one that can pose as a choking hazard. Anything that can be squashed into that three centimetre circle poses a risk as a choking hazard. So we just say to parents, get on your hands and knees, have a look about, look down under the bed, look under the sofa, go around on your kitchen floor and spend particular time in the room that you spend most of your time or where your baby spends most of their time. And I think sometimes people go really to town on the nursery. We'll make sure it's super safe in here. But actually the only time the babies are in their nursery is when they're asleep in their cots. Well, they're in their cots, which means they can't get to things, but actually they haven't taken the same looking around their kitchen or their living or dining space, etc. And have the same thoughts with your garden, particularly as the weather gets warmer and you're outside, is look at what's about. Things like little bulbs, um, plant heads, etc., bits, parts of hoses, all sorts of things, anything that babies can put in their mouths that will fit within that three centimetres diameter potentially poses a risk of choking. That's really useful. Um, I think as well, when you've got an older child that enjoys like certain toys and stuff, I imagine the balance between the two is quite difficult. So if you've got like, say, a seven or eight year old that, that wants to play with Lego and then you've got your baby as well, um, that, that can be quite difficult um, to kind of manage. Have you got any tips for on that, Kate? Yeah, so, so my eldest little boy I say little he's not so little anymore is nine massive lego fan and he's got a sister who's seven and then we've got younger ones um is that actually we found the best way to prepare him for the little ones being on the move was actually to talk about this shape and this choking risk and actually get, get him to look at his toys and go what could fit in this choking circle so what could fit in so what could my baby sisters put in their mouths and be at risk of choking and actually because he had that visual thing to do he became a lot more responsive to the way that we said that you need to tidy that away. Um, and we showed him, for example, the example that if you take a Duplo brick, which is suitable for the under threes versus a Lego brick, a Duplo brick won't fit in that three centimetre circle because it's not a choking risk. And so actually, if you're going to leave toys lying around, it's got to be the chunky stuff that it doesn't matter if little ones explore with their mouths. So that's the really important thing. We also as well, for, for my children, is that we actually put um, stair gates across my older children's bedroom doors because we didn't want them to shut their doors, but we wanted their bedrooms to feel safe for them to have their perhaps smaller toys out and about, um, LOL dolls and all the bits that go with them as well for my seven-year-old. Um, so all those things can be out, they can play with them. But the condition is they have to be, keep the gates closed on their bedrooms to make sure that the little ones can't get in. That's really, that's such a good idea. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for that. Um, so what is your top advice for weaning then, Kate? Okay, so um, there are three principles that you must 
think about when you're preparing to wean your baby and it's just a really really good practice moving forward with feeding babies so think about this right from day one because we know that little ones are watching you they'll be well aware of what you're doing be interested in you eating etc so first things first there's got to be a standard rule in your home and everywhere where you eat with your baby or child that you sit down to eat and this might seem a rather obvious thing to say. We quite often will find ourselves saying, well, sit down, sit down. And then mum, dad or grandparents are wandering around eating. Is that you need to make it good practice that everybody sits down to eat. Because we know that when a baby is choking, it, they will be silent. So if your baby or your toddler has wandered off to another room holding a rice cake or some crisps or a piece of fruit and they're in the other room, if they go silent... Perhaps as a busy parent, you might think, oh, great, I've got a couple of minutes peace. But they could, without wanting to frighten people, they could be choking in the other room and you won't know. So you sit on your bottom where a parent or carer can see you and you stay there until you've finished eating. And if you want to get down, then the food has to go down and we don't eat when we're walking around. And it's a really, really good practice to employ. Make that a rule. But also, grown-ups are the worst. We're always eating when we're walking around. And I still even though I go and profess about this all the time, I still sometimes catch myself in the morning standing there with a piece of toast. Sit down, kids, sit down. And you've really got to make sure that as an adult, you demonstrate that behaviour to children and start that right from day one. The second point after sitting is chopping or breaking food into manageable pieces. Now you talked about your little one and bananas and oh, it's frightening. There is a really good tip with bananas, which is that you can break them down the spines and they form long pieces. So rather than cutting them into circles, because if you cut them into circles, they potentially are a choking risk because they sit inside that three centimeters, but you can actually split them apart. Have a practice with a banana and you'll break them down the spines and they break into long thin pieces, which are a much further reduced choking risk, but also a baby, a little one can get it right inside their fist and hold onto it with it sticking out the top. And with that broken uh, up pieces, when you're thinking about food for babies, think about their size of their fist, not yours, but their fist. And think about things being in lumps around that size, because that's a nice, easy size for them to get hold of. And sticks work really well, because then they can have it poking out the top of their fist if they're trying to feed themselves. As they get older, that chopping or breaking into pieces, things like sausages, cut them lengthways, grapes, olives, cherry tomatoes, everything lengthways because if you cut it in a, to a circle you're making it a perfect uh, choking hazard for it to block the windpipe and then the final thing so we've done sit and we've done chop or break up and the final thing is chewing again it seems really obvious but little ones learn by watching their parents and carers and they need to learn that they need to move food around their mouth to chew it or gum it before they swallow it and pass it down into their tummy so it's a really, really good idea as an adult when you're eating in front of a little one to make sure that you really chew. So if anyone's listening now, move your mouth, move, give it a really, really good move. And that's what you need to do in front of your children, because as adults, we're very guilty of inhaling our food. We shovel because we don't need to chew as much because we've got a wider gullet, so we don't need to chew as much. But actually, that's not a good example to set our little ones. So it's sit, chop and chew and they're your three best practice things before you even think about giving them the actual food or you know what you're going to put on the menu or how you're going to wean or when you're going to wean is making sure that you've got that sit chop chew in practice 
at home. That's great. That's brilliant and easy to remember as well. Um, so have you got any other safe eating advice that you'd give to maybe older children or? Well, I think the main thing is really is that everybody makes sure that they know how to deal with choking. Yeah. So the way we deal with choking is obviously making sure that if a baby is choking, they'll be silent. We'd have them up and out of their high chair nice and quickly. And we were administering what we call back blows. Uh, and if they're not effective, then we do a, an abdominal thrust. You need to be taught how to do that so that mini first aid can, can show you how to do that. Please make sure that you take the time to learn what to do, because even if you put every prevention in place, things happen. Little ones keep us on our toes. And what you need to know is that if your baby goes silent, lips turn blue, and it's obvious to you that they're choking, then you need to be able to deal with that nice and quickly. And to have older siblings, others, all in the family, everybody sitting with that sit chop chew really, really helps because then they're setting the example. So I am forever saying to my nine-year-old, sit down, please sit down while you are eating. Your one-year-old sister is watching you. So it's that um, really important part that they can play in the family. So yeah, they all get a bit fed up and they're going, sit, chop, chew, kids, sit, chop, chew. <laughs> no, no, I, I, do you know what? I never thought of that myself. So that's, that's really interesting. So Kate, then obviously it, if a baby does choke, what would you actually do? Well, so if a baby is choking, then you need to have them up and out of their high chair really quickly. And we administer back blows um, where we hit a baby very hard on the back. If you feel onto the behind your neck, just a bit lower between your shoulder blades, the very firm and flat part of your back. So right at the top of your shoulders. And you want to hit that part of the back up to five times really hard. Now you might see or hear health is just saying that in a choking situation, if you haven't left a bruise, you've not hit them hard enough. And that is the level of impact that you need to give in a choking situation to force the air out of the lungs and force that object out of the windpipe. If uh, after five back slaps, that object hasn't come out, we need to do something called an abdominal thrust, which is where on a baby, we would place two fingers on their chest. So we turn them over onto their backs so that we can put our fingers onto their chest and force aggressively. It's like the CPR motion, but you're forcing a bit more aggressively. Imagine poking somebody that you don't like um, down between the, at the center of their chest because you're trying to force air up and out of the airway. And once a child is over one, that abdominal thrust is actually the Heimlich maneuver um, where you would uh, be behind somebody and cupping underneath their, uh, their rib cage and scooping as if you're scooping ice cream, mm. scooping the air and you're scooping up and out to force the, um, uh, force the object out. It's really, really good practice to get on a first aid course where you can have a go on a mannequin or even practice on a teddy um, so that you can have a go with that technique and feel really confident with it. Yeah, I think um, I've actually done a mini first aid course and I thought it was fantastic because it just gives you that confidence that someone's saying, no, actually, if you just do it a bit like that and that, and by the end of it, you know, you feel so confident um, that I just think for peace of mind, I think it's something that you should do and then refresh with as well because I just think it's, it's, it's just, it is that confidence and just knowing that, you know, if the worst happens, you, you know, you've got the best chance um, to... Mm -hmm save your little ones so so Kate would you mind telling um our parents uh, just about where they can find mini first aid courses and a bit about mini first aid and, and what you cover yes of course so um you can find our website is mini first aid.co.uk we are covering we run classes right across 
uh, the UK. We're training thousands of parents every week and the classes last for about two hours and they cost from just 20 pounds. So we always say for the price of a takeaway, you could learn to save your little one's life. Now, because we're in um, situation with COVID at the moment is that our teaching has had to change from being face to face so we've got different options we have an online course available which you can do in the comfort of home in your own time stop and start it as you wish and take a test at the end or if you would like to see a trainer in person we can come and train in an outdoor space with you obviously living in the UK it's got to be weather permitting or you've got to have a shelter um, or your final option is to do it via Zoom so we've got some Zoom classes available and then as soon as we're able to we'll start running those classes in person but we've just got to make sure that all the um, right infection control processes are in place to make that safe for folk attending. Uh, the classes themselves cover CPR, choking as we've talked about today, bumps, uh, bleeding, breaks, febrile seizures, sepsis and meningitis awareness. Now with first aid there are so many more topics that we can cover um, but we have to get that life-saving bit into the two hours and the way that we describe it to parents is to say that from when an accident happens you are approximately, depending on where you are in the UK, between eight and 12 minutes waiting for an ambulance and during that time your baby or your young child is your responsibility. And so it's teaching you what to do in those eight to 12 minutes. So we're not gonna spend hours with you teaching you how to do beautiful bandaging, because frankly, when you get to the hospital, uh, the, the trained practitioners can do that for you. We'll teach you how to deal with bleeding by holding a fresh, clean nappy on a bleed and keeping it that way until the ambulance arrives. So it's really practical. All of our trainers are parents, carers, or work with children themselves. Quite a lot of them are healthcare professionals as well. So they're very down to earth. So they get it. They understand the sleep deprivation, perhaps trying to remember things when your brain is very busy. And most importantly, we welcome babies at our classes. So obviously at our face-to-face -face classes, or even when you're on Zoom, it's absolutely okay for baby to be there. Um, you don't need to hide them somewhere or arrange childcare. You can bring them along with you. Um, so that uh, you don't have to worry about that childcare. And we also, I think the final thing to say is to encourage you to also encourage all family members. So grandparents, uh, friends, neighbours, anyone that's going to be helping you or be in contact with your baby, you almost need to make it a condition that they learn first aid, um, particularly for those grandparents out there who I know when I asked my mum when I set up mini first aid six years ago, I asked her when she last did her first aid training and it was when she was in the girl dives and she's now 70. <laughs> Some of the things that she was taught are just slightly out of date. So um, yeah, key for us. <laughs> Do you know, it's funny you say that. I actually said to my mum the other day, are you first aid trained? And she said, oh yeah, yeah, I did it um, when I was, um, I think I was 25. And I thought, Mum, you, you're almost up. In fact, she's almost triple that, for goodness sake. So, yeah, it is something that I think just because things change, don't they, Kate, as well? And um, I think sometimes it's a case of just refreshing. I mean, for £20, um, the fact is that you or, you know, your friends or anyone that goes on one of these courses could, could in fact save your child's life or you could save their child's life. It's just it's it's. You know, it's very, very important. So um, thanks so much today um, for that, Kate. No problem. It's been lovely to chat to you. Kate, just finally, can you tell our parents where they can find you on social media and your website, if that's OK? Yes, of course. So our social media handles are at Mini First Aid. 
uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter and on Facebook. And then our website is minifirstaid.co.uk. If you go to our website, as well as being able to put in the postcode to where you live so that we can find you your local trainer, there's also an opportunity to sign up to our newsletter. And every week we send out top healthcare, first aid, paediatrics, so baby-related um, health stuff goes out every week to sort of complement the two-hour class. So, for example, this week, um, you may have seen some articles in the press about the caterpillars that people have been finding in their garden that are actually poisonous. So we've got a leading bug specialist uh, writing a really good article about what to look out for in your gardens at home. And then we then advise on what to do if baby was stung um, or um, had been injured in an in a allergic reaction situation. So always going to be extra stuff from us. Um, so yeah, and look out for us on our social as well, because there's always top further tips on there. Brilliant. And one last thing is I'd have to say your first aid kit is fantastic. So, you know, if you are, you know, a new parent and, um, you know, you're looking for that that gift, it might not be the forefront of your mind for first aid kit, but it's always to handy to have in. Um, so I just wanted to say that because I found it really useful. Your, oh, your well, kit. We, uh, when we created the first aid kit, we were very... I guess I was a little bit disheartened by what was on the market, really, which was that, that most of them are sort of in these green-coloured utilitarian type pouches that you know when us mums particularly have got these beautiful change bags you don't really want something that looks a bit rubbish hanging out of it so we wanted something that whilst it was really practical it had all the right things in for babies for pediatrics um first aid is that also it looked good so it's in a little spotty um case we've won lots of awards for its design as well as what's inside it which is great and then um, they uh, again you can purchase mini first aid kits at our classes so when you come to a class or, or, or meet a trainer or you can buy them uh, by the website or on Amazon. Excellent. So thanks again, Kate. And uh, we'll speak to you soon, no doubt. Brilliant. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to my Bump to Babies expert podcast. If you would like to find help and support from experts in your local area, head over to www.mybump2baby.com and you will also be able to find local pregnancy to preschool groups, classes, businesses and services in your local area. This podcast is sponsored by My Bump to Baby Family Protection and Legal Directory. Being a parent is such a minefield. It's so difficult deciding who to select when it comes to financial advice or family law solicitors. My Bump to Baby works with one trusted financial advisor and one trusted family law solicitor in each town throughout the whole of the UK. To find your nearest advisor or family law solicitor, head over to www.mybump2baby.com forward slash family protection legal. Wondering what's on in your local area? Come and join our weekly newsletter where we share the classes and groups that are on in your local area. From pregnancy to preschool, we have you covered. Click the link below this podcast to receive your newsletter each week, every Sunday, so you know what's on and you can plan your week ahead.